This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. If a playing career lasts long enough, that winding road of uncertainty can bring you back to a place of your most successful seasons, even if it's been a few years since you've worn that team's uniform. For veteran reliever Brian Shaw, one of the Indians' most durable and successful relief pitchers from 2013 through 2017, a three-year journey that included stops in Colorado and Seattle left him on the open market this offseason. He recently signed a minor league deal with the Tribe in hopes that he makes the big club this spring. Coming off of the last couple seasons out there, you know, my wife and I tried to figure out, you know, where we wanted to go and stuff like that. And, you know, the main, you know, one of the main places we kept talking about obviously was Cleveland just for the, you know, the comfortability, the, you know, knowing everything over there, knowing the coaches, knowing the, you know, how to do stuff, you know, within the city, you know, my wife and I had our baby this off season, so having, you know, a place that was easy for us to be able to get around and, you know, understand what we were getting ourselves into going to that, going to an organization, they were, you know, obviously the top of the list. So, you know, when they were able, when they reached out, you know, about coming, possibly coming back, you know, we definitely, you know, jumped on that to, you know, make make our way back over there. That's Brian Shaw, a familiar name in spring camp for the tribe, now playing the role of savvy veteran trying to make a ball club. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and this is Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Coming up shortly, we'll hear much more from Brian as he reflects on his time in Cleveland prior, what went wrong after leaving the Indians, and how he's putting the building blocks in place to return to form and even take a step forward in his second go-round with the Tribe. Also on this week's show, we'll hear from Royals broadcaster Ryan Lefevre as we continue our look at Indians rivals from the American League Central Division. But first, a look at news and notes from the week gone by. Good news on the spring training front, Indians pitchers and catchers will report this Wednesday with position players in the first full squad workout the next weekend. 
After hammering out an agreement on COVID-safe protocols with the Players Association, MLB reworked the spring training schedule, so now the Indians' first exhibition game will be Sunday, February the 28th, against the Reds in Goodyear. On the transaction front, the Indians continue to try to bolster the outfield. On Thursday, the Tribe announced the signing of veteran outfielder Ben Gamel, who has played parts of the last five seasons with Seattle and, most recently, the Brewers. His best season in the big leagues, 2017 with the Mariners, when he played every day in left field and hit 275 with 11 home runs and 59 driven in. And while it's not official yet from the Indians, at the time of this recording, multiple national and local reports are saying that the Tribe has signed speedy outfielder Billy Hamilton. Known for his stolen base ability, he was a stolen base machine during his first six major league seasons with the Reds. The last two years, though, he's bounced to four different teams, including the Mets and the Cubs, in 2020. Both Gamble and Hamilton would come to Major League Camp on minor league deals. Now, stay tuned. When we return, we will visit with former Tribe reliever and hoping to be current Tribe relief pitcher Ryan Shaw. That's next as Tribe Talk presented by Progressive continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Yeah, this season I actually had little business cards made. Eric Rubino, fantasy baseball GM. You can keep that. Sure, the players are famous, but come game day, I decide their fate. What's that? Oh, you make 20 million? Well, I don't like your attitude. You benched! No, I'd never bench an all-star, but I could. That's also why I like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. With options based on my budget, they never throw me a curveball. <laughs> That's a little baseball reference for you. Get options based on your budget with Progressive, even if you're not a legend in your own mind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we begin to wind down now on our hot stove editions of Tribe Talk as we hope to be bringing you Tribe Talk from Goodyear, Arizona and Tribe Spring Training our first show from there would be Saturday, February the 27th. So uh, hopefully everything holds up in terms of the COVID-safe protocols at spring training with camp beginning this week. And one of those in camp, relief pitcher Brian Shaw signed to a minor league contract recently with an invite to major league camp. Shaw is now 33 years of age, and he returns to the Indians after spending five years with the Tribe, 2013-17, to 17. During that time, he compiled a club record 110 holds. He was always in that setup role for Cody Allen, sometimes Andrew Miller, and along the way compiled the second most career relief appearances in franchise history, 378 games over those five seasons with the Indians, trailing only Cody Allen in that category. He signed a three-year contract with Colorado following the 2017 campaign, spent two seasons with the Rockies, and then last season with the Mariners, and really struggled along the way. When we caught up with Brian this week, we found a pitcher whose run of good success in the major leagues has been tempered by that tough three-year stretch, first in Colorado, then in Seattle. But I think you'll find in our conversation with him, through those struggles, he may have unlocked some keys to a return to form, and the Indians could be the big-time beneficiaries of that this season. 
And a personal aside here, Brian Shaw has always been one of those stand-up players that the Indians have had in their clubhouse. As you know, in his role in the bullpen, it always put him on the edge of success or failure for the team if it didn't work out. And a tremendous percentage of the time for Shaw, he came through. But when he didn't, he never shied away from talking about it afterwards. And that is something that's not always common in a big league clubhouse. So uh, when he's talking about his struggles with Colorado, that same type of accountability comes through here in our conversation with him. And uh, that was after he signed a a really big contract, life-changing, really, three-year deal prior to 2018. And it just didn't work out. But uh, I think you'll see here he, he takes full responsibility for that and doesn't shy away from what happened. And that brings us back to this spring and a return to the Indians, which was a high priority for Shaw this offseason for several reasons. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, thanks for having me on here. I appreciate coming back. And obviously, you know, coming off of the last couple seasons out there, you know, my wife and I tried to figure out, you know, where we wanted to go and stuff like that. And, you know, the main, you know, one of the main places we kept talking about obviously was Cleveland just for the, you know, the comfortability, the, you know, knowing everything over there, knowing the coaches, knowing the, you know, how to do stuff, you know, within the city, you know, my wife and I had our baby this off season. So having, you know, a place that was easy for us to be able to get around and, you know, understand what we were getting ourselves into going to that, going to an organization, they were, you know, obviously the top of the list. So, you know, when they were able, when they reached out, you know, about coming, possibly coming back, you know, we definitely, you know, jumped on that, to you know, make, make our way back over there. Obviously there's a conversation with, with manager Terry Francona, who, who knows how to use you to get the best out of you. And uh, how did that conversation go to, to try and spur things forward? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, me and him have talked over the years, um, you know, here and there, just about, you know, different random stuff, giving each other, you know, hard times about different stuff. Um, and, you know, he asked, you know, if, if they read, if, you know, Anton Eddie and Chernoff would reach out to me and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I told him they, they had early on, but they hadn't at the time. Um, I think it was, you know, right around all the trade stuff happening. So they were obviously a little, little busier, uh, you know, dealing with some more important things other than me. Um, so once, you know, they hadn't handled all that stuff that they were doing, you know, they, they reached out and, um, you know, we, we got the ball rolling and, you know, got a deal done, you know, fairly quickly, actually, once, uh, once we, you know, started talking to them because they knew we wanted to be there. Um, you know, obviously they wanted me there and, you know, we're, we're ready to go. You were about it as consistent and, and durable and dependable as anybody on that bullpen, uh, during some really good years. Uh, you go to Colorado, sign a contract there. And, and for two seasons, it's a real battle, um, what were some of the struggles there? Were they what you typically hear about pitchers who who are challenged by by the environment in Colorado to try and get some good things done? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 air up there, I think, affects different guys differently. Obviously, I mean, you know, the ball, you know, everyone talked about the ball flying there and stuff like that. You know, I think I gave me a couple more homers there, but the homers that I gave up and, you know, the runs like that I gave up, those are their homers in any ballpark. So it's not like, you know, it was like wall scrapers that just got out because it was Colorado um, and stuff like that. I think more so than anything, the ball just doesn't necessarily move, you know, as, as it typically would at a, you know, sea level type, you know, place. And, um, you know, we had some mechanical issues that went awry and, you know, some adjustments we tried to make and couldn't make them. And, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, we moved on from that and, 
you know, we got, got, got some stuff going this off season and, you know, being at the alternate site last year with Seattle a little bit, you know, we worked on some different things from, uh, you know, a throwing program to pitch selections to, you know, pitch design and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're in a good place right now. And you mentioned that, that time at the alternate site with the Mariners, you, you hooked on with Seattle, uh, during summer camp and, and we're with the big club for a little bit. But but then you end up at the alternate site, and and for someone who's been in the major leagues as long as you had, um, I'm sure that wasn't easy. But it sounds like it's something that could prove to be very beneficial in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, being in the big leagues, obviously, no one wants to go back, you know, to you know the quote minor leagues and stuff like that. And obviously, last year was a little bit different, just in general, um, with everything going on. So you know, it was the alternate site. Um, you know, obviously, we were talking off the air earlier. You know, it was. I think for me personally, going there as much as obviously I didn't want to be there and you want to be in the big leagues and everything else, it tremendously helped me to get to where I'm at. And right now, and, you know, hopefully the success that I'm going to have, you know, not only this year, but going forward, you know, from changing, you know, throwing program, doing some different things um, mechanically wise and doing, you know, different um, pitch design, you know, just, just a, a whole assortment of different things that you're able to actually do at a place like that, where essentially you don't get that opportunity to at the big league level because when you're in the big leagues, you have to go get results. You have to pitch good. You have to do all this kind of stuff. You can't necessarily work on or change, you know, all this stuff middle of season. So having the opportunity to be able to do that um, down there for about a month and a half or whatever it was that I was at, you know, as I think will tremendously help me going forward. So is it still that, that cutter and and slider combo just maybe used differently and, and with a little bit different look? Um, that's going to be something that you're going to have to find out once we get to camp. <laughs> Can't divulge all the secrets right now. <laughs> you got to sneak up on some people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I got to catch some people off guard, you know, the first couple outings. <laughs> Brian Shaw joining us, uh, back with the team and, and great news, uh, could be some veteran presence down there. And, and how much have you done, uh, to kind of get up to speed on, on what's in that bullpen now compared to the last time you were here? Because I, I don't know if anybody's left from from the time that you were here the bullpen catchers <laughs> nice. i think those are the only people in the bullpen that are there from um, when i was there i mean i think just looking at the roster in general i mean there's birdo's there i think perez was the is there obviously um Plutko was there a little bit obviously you know you hear the names of the minors that are all there now obviously having success and doing really good and stuff like that but i think there's only three or four guys that are actually on the roster that were there when I was there. Um, so it's going to be a, a completely different, uh, you know, feel from what we had, but you know, that obviously a great group of guys, it seems like, and they, they get the job done when they need to. So I'm excited to be there with those guys and, you know, get things going. And and looking back on, on your first go around with the team, um, it just seemed like a, a great time to be part of the Cleveland Indians, especially with some of the work the bullpen did as a unit. And And how do you look back on, on that time in your career, both personally and, and team wise for the Indians. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great, you know, great time. You know, we, it, you came to the ballpark every day with that group, you know, um, and we, you knew that you were going to win, you know, whether we did or didn't, you, know, you came with that mindset of we're going to win because we're the tribe and, you know, we have who we need and we know what we're going to do and we're going to put up runs and we're going to not give up runs and we're going to win the game. 
Um, and obviously, you know, it didn't happen every day, but that was the mindset. That was the thought every day going in there and, you know, to have that and, you know, to in, enjoy going to the ballpark every day and enjoy the group of guys that are down in that bullpen. And um, obviously, you know, we don't get to be in the dugout too often with those guys down there, but, you know, the group of guys down the bullpen that we had was just, you're excited to go down there and to talk with the guys, just be around those guys every day. So, you know, having that, um, you know, and hopefully having that again, you know, with this group of guys, you know, down there, it seems like that's just kind of the way the organization is. The organization creates the atmosphere for their guys while they're there, you know, regardless of the names that are there, it seems like that's what they try to create and they try to, you know, get, get their guys to have, you know, those thoughts and buy into that, you know, from day one. And it's, it's really something that they do really well. Because it's such a young group, do you look at, at upon yourself to to kind of create that culture or, or at least help that along if you don't see it right away? I think I looked it up. I think if I make the team, I think I would be the oldest person on the team. If I, if I was correct, it might be one person that was older, but I think I'd be the oldest person on the team, um, which would be interesting, but no, I mean, having a young team isn't bad. I mean, obviously we had a young team when we were in 13 with, um, you know, the Indians, obviously we made it to the postseason, made it to that wild card game and stuff. And to watch that group, grow together and get better together um is amazing so having a young group you know is not necessarily a bad thing you know they're hungry they got fight they want to do it they want to win um they know the success that the organization and that the team has had over the last you know few years and you know wanting to replicate that and wanting to you know be a part of that um you know when you're in the minors coming up you see it happen and once you finally get there and you get your shot you don't want to you know you don't want to be the guy that you know lets the team down essentially so you know everyone goes out there as those young guys and tries to you know compete as hard as they can and do everything that they can and leave it all out there to be able to have that success and have that continued success that the organization's used to well i'm sure you can be a, a tremendous asset to that and uh brian great to great to hear you again and and have you back in the fold and i'm um, sure it'll be an interesting spring training but uh, best of luck as you move forward absolutely thank you for having me on it's glad to be back like I said, my wife and I and my, our son now are excited to go back to Cleveland and, you know, get back with this organization and all the people that we know there. And, you know, we're just we're just excited to be back somewhere comfortable. So it's exciting. That's Brian Shaw, a name to watch this spring in Goodyear. Stay with us. When we return, we continue our look around the American League Central Division with a preview of the Kansas City Royals. Full disclosure, when we recorded with broadcaster Ryan Lefevre of the Royals television crew earlier this week, it was a day before the Royals acquired Andrew Benintendi, so a big trade for them, and we don't talk about that particular move, but it's been an interesting offseason for the Royals just the same, and we get the skinny on that when we return to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive as we continue our look around the American League Central Division Tribe opponents and we head out west to Kansas City and check in with Royals broadcaster Ryan Lefevre. We always like to qualify that and say former Indians farmhand as well, Ryan Lefevre. Ryan, That's how right. you doing? <laughs> Don't forget that, Rosie. We're getting farther and farther away from that. 
magical 1993 season in Watertown, New York. And do your numbers get better and better the further away that you are from that? No, they don't. <laughs> they, they absolutely don't. In fact, I just assume you didn't look at them. <laughs> Fair enough. So we'll transition right to Royals baseball. And uh, look, they're in a, in a rebuild and have been for a couple of years. But uh, as the Indians certainly saw as the season went on last year, albeit a shortened season, it seemed like a real good progress year. And, and was that the takeaway when it was all said and done on, under first-year manager Mike Matheny? I think so, and we all tend to be optimistic about the season. And, you know, the Royals were below 500, so, I mean, it is what it is. We didn't get one of those many playoff spots. But before the abbreviated season, the Royals had back-to-back 100 lost seasons after two competitive seasons following the world series. If you can uh, put that jigsaw puzzle together, the Royals um, won the world series in 15. They were, they had two competitive seasons in 16 and 17. Then we lost, you know, all those, all those guys to free agency at once pretty much. So then back to back 100 lost seasons. So I really felt like there were enough players on the roster that had big league experience that, okay, it's, it's time now to start winning some games. And so I felt like last year was really a pivotal season for them, uh, just like it was for the group that won the World Series. The talent was there. They weren't winning. At some point, you have to start winning some ball games. So it's just hard to judge in a two-month season. But uh, they finished strong. They won 12 of their last 16. And there's a lot of momentum and good feelings going into this year. And what did you see from, from Mike Matheny? That was a, a real positive, especially following Ned Yost, who, who obviously led them to a World Series title and, and was very well regarded. But it seemed like a, a good transition and maybe some things that that uh, worked well for a young group. Yeah, you know, and, and their situations were very similar. Ned Yost had been fired by the Brewers as the team was finishing off what ended up being a playoff year. They were, you know, they were kind of... Uh, you know, wheezing and coughing their way to the finish line. And they felt like he was putting too much pressure on them. And so they made the change with like two weeks left in the season and the Brewers ended up going to the playoffs without him. And so he comes to the Royals. He spends a year in the organization, just getting to know the organization. And then, and then he becomes manager. And then Mike Matheny, uh, same thing, had a lot of success in St. Louis, but did not do well, at least by the Cardinal standards the last two years. And he was fired with a team that I think was still above 500. So very disappointed in how things ended up for him. Uh, but he comes to the Royals. He spends a year in the organization and ends up being hired as manager. And, you know, to his credit, Mike Matheny was criticized for a few things in St. Louis. One of them being, you know, too tense and, um, uh, you know, not being as warm and welcoming to young players or uh, not encouraging the veterans to, you know, take the young players under their wings and, and just being more militant, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to get at. And his version of it, of course, is different. But what impressed me, Rosie, is that he was very accountable from the moment he was hired as managers, his press conference, you know, he, he highlighted where he needed to get better and he wanted to grow. And by all accounts, I mean, he was, he was that in those two months as, as Royals manager. So um, just very interesting hires by our general manager, Dayton Moore, and how similar the circumstances were for Ned Yost and Mike Matheny. When you look at bright spots, obviously there's some young players that we'll talk about in a bit, but to supplement 
that youth. Some interesting signings in the offseason, uh, not the least of which very familiar to Indians fans, Carlos Santana, to come in there and play first base. And gosh, if the Royals just play home games this year, he'll have a great year because he's always hit well out there. And, and, and what do you think you're getting from him? Well, the, the team that went to the two World Series uh, went out and got Kendry's Morales, switch hitting veteran first baseman who was not coming off stellar years when he came to Kansas city, but he had professional at bats and he just was a stabilizing force in that lineup and ended up having two really good years in Kansas city. And I think they're hoping for the same thing from Carlos Santana. I mean, we have some good young hitters. We're starting to feel comfortable at the major league level. Um, They're having success at the major league level. And I think they just need a veteran like Santana who just has those long plate appearances, you know, who just battles every single pitch. And so they're hoping that he will be the Kendry's Morales for this group. When you look at the bullpen, uh, yeah, there's some good young arms in there, but old home week, Greg Holland and Wade Davis, both (laughs) returning to the Kansas city bullpen. And uh, gosh, they were key members of the world series teams. I thought Holland last year uh, really, it seemed like he provided not only on the mound, but, but in that bullpen for the younger pitchers, some, some real value. Yeah. COVID probably helped him more than it hurt him because, you know, he hadn't pitched well for a few years with other teams and he really didn't look that good in spring training last year. And, you know, he was on a minor league deal. I think he would have really had to fail badly to not make the roster. I mean, just because, of his history with the club and, and kind of like what the Royals want from Carlos Santana, just a stabilizing force um, out in the bullpen by bringing in Greg Holland. And, but, but he did not look good in spring training. And I think the, the extended time for him to allow his arm to heal and build up the arm strength was, was critical because when he took the mound to get his first save, at progressive field. And I think it was the second game of the season. I mean, he, he just, he did not look like the guy that we had in spring training and he just, he looked great really for that two month season. His, his stuff is different. You know, he doesn't throw as hard, but he just has so much experience. He's not afraid of anybody. Um, you know, a lot of his saves are not pretty saves, you know, the old classic one, two, three and the game's over. And so I think, you know, just battling through men on base and not giving in. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you hear about five years from now, if one of our young relievers ends up being a star, you know, that's when they say, yeah, boy, I sure learned a lot by watching Greg Holland battle. When you look at the division and we're visiting with Ryan Lefevre, broadcaster for the Kansas city Royals, as we take a look around the division at tribe opponents to come this season, uh, there are teams with some good young pitching, the Indians, of course, uh, but the Tigers are starting to build things up a little bit. And, and the Royals, I know, are, are very high on some young arms. How's that rotation shaking out, especially on that young side of, of players who are trying to really make a name for themselves in the big leagues? Yeah, in, in the winning years, you know, we were bullpen, speed, and defense. And I think that's you have to win with those today, especially in our ballpark. And, you know, we're never going to be able to go out and, and sign a you know, big bopper free agent or something like that. So it, the Royals have to have a balanced team. You really, we really can't have a weakness. And, and the rotation those years was just okay. I mean, it was, it was the bullpen that really carried that team on the mound. But now, suddenly, we have a stable of, I mean, just an endless supply, it seems, seems like right now, of young, 
pitching, young starting pitching. So we got to see a couple of them last year. Brady Singer made his, his uh, big league debut at Progressive Field, almost threw a no-hitter there later in the year. Chris Bubich, and these guys are from the 2018 draft. This was, you know, losing all of those guys to free agency. We got a lot of first round and, and supplemental picks. And so those two guys got to the big leagues. They really handled themselves well. I mean, there's just something different about them. They weren't, they weren't perfect, but they were not overwhelmed by the big leagues. And there's still more. In fact, a lot of people, Rosie, feel like that Singer and Bubich aren't even the guys with the highest ceilings, but they were just most ready to compete at the major league level. So the starting rotation has a chance to be really good. You start with those two guys, and then we got a lefty out of the University of Virginia named um, Daniel Lynch. He's in that group. Jackson Kowar, who is actually a teammate at the University of Florida with Brady Singer. I mean, those four guys are are really going to be key. And uh, some people in our organization think that the guys that haven't even gotten to the big leagues yet are better than Singer and Bubich, who got to the big leagues first. Whew. Tell you what, a, the division could be a real bear starting pitching-wise for, yeah. for any team playing uh, some of these rebuilding teams, so to speak, uh, in the division because it looks like when it gets there, it's going to be really good. Uh, position player-wise, and I'll, I'll let you fill the fans in on names, but you have a, a former home run champ, a, a hits leader, mm-hmm. uh, some good stuff going on offensively too. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, I'll just start behind the plate. I mean, we didn't get Salvador Perez – at all in 2019 he had tommy john surgery and we were reminded last year he he means everything i mean i, I don't mean to you know scrape off a, a scab over a wound here but he was our francisco lindor i mean a good player just with energy and, and just he made the people around him better so getting him back was huge uh third base is a bit of a question mark uh michael franco had a nice year for us but he was non-tendered so it looks like your Dozier might go from the outfield back over to to uh, third base. Adalberto Mondesi, I still believe Rosie is the most dynamic player in the major leagues. He just hasn't been able to, you know, stay healthy and be consistent over the course of a season. But um, if if you were to take every major league player and take the names off of their jerseys and just have an open tryout, I I can't see why Francisco ever. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi would be wouldn't be one of the top three picks. I mean, he just does things that nobody else can do. Um, second base will either be Whit Merrifield or Nicky Lopez, who got some um, some time uh, last year as a, as a as a regular and was a Gold Glove finalist at second base. First base is up in the air. Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan McBroom, um, you know, backing up Carlos Santana, and I think Santana will probably get some at-bats as a, as a designated hitter, but, you know, McBroom and O'Hearn were the guys, and now Santana's there, so there's some competition. They'll be fighting for a job. We got Michael Taylor from the, the Nationals, a really good defensive center fielder who reminds our people a lot of Lorenzo Cain, and we need a true center fielder. We really um, didn't have one last year, at least in the lineup on a regular basis, and then you got a combination of Hunter Dozier and and uh, with Merrifield and some younger guys, Khalil Lee um, mixing in, in in right field. And then I'm, I'm leaving the last position left field um, for a reason, because no Alex Gordon. And we're, we're really going to miss his defense. And so Franchi Cordero, a guy from the Padres organization we got a couple of years ago, young guy named Kyle Isbell, 
um, kind of a blue collar type player like Alex Gordon. So the, I think the Royals feel good about their pieces, but there's going to be a lot of competition in spring training, which I think, uh, I think is exciting. I mean, internal competition is a good thing. We all love going into spring training and say, hey, you know, all of our positions are set, but um, you'll get the best out of guys when there's internal competition. And we'll finish with, with Ryan Lefevre on this note. John Sherman is your new owner, and he, he came in, gosh, under the worst of circumstances because of COVID and, and everything that meant for a very unusual baseball season a year ago. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Uh, mm-hmm. What has he brought to the table ownership-wise, if, if there's any differences that you've been able to notice from prior ownership? Well, I think, um, you know, his time with the Indians was was important for him and I think for the Royals organization when he came in to know that this is not just a wealthy businessman buying a team. This is a guy who has experience as a minority owner. And so that was that was pretty clear. Um, You know, there are a lot of owners in this in this business who do well on their fantasy teams and they have a lot of money and therefore they think, you know, they should be in on all the baseball decisions and, and he's in on that. I mean, he has a lot of conversations with our general manager, but he, he has real experience and he talks often about his time in Cleveland and what he learned. And, and so that, that was first and foremost, that was important. He lives in Kansas city and he's been here uh, since he went to college. And that, that's a big deal in Kansas city, Kansas city, has a reputation of being, you know, so-called flyover city or of just passing through town type of a city. So, you know, you'll have a lot of people in the broadcast um, business or you'll have people in, um, you know, corporate business in Kansas City or even in, in professional sports, you know, who aren't from here. And then they come here and they do well and they move on to, you know, a, a bigger city. And so Kansas Cityans, um, are very aware of that. So anytime one of their own gets a position of significance, it just means a lot to the community. I mean, I remember when I came here from Minnesota back in 1999, one of the first questions somebody asked me was how long do you plan on staying here before you move on to another market? (laughs) Gosh, I haven't even done a game yet. And people are already assuming that I'm going to move on. So his experience with Cleveland, um, you know, the fact that he's a Kansas city and, 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 that that was great coming in, but you know one of the one of the most generous things that he did was we were the first team that went public and said you know we're going to pay our minor leaguers for an entire season even though they won't play a game. That was huge. And there were other organizations who changed course and said that you know they'd only pay them through May or whatever. And the pressure that uh, you know outside influences had on those organizations. They had to reverse course because of, of what Mr. Sherman did here in Kansas city. He didn't fire any, lay anybody off because of, um, uh, because of COVID we didn't have any furloughs. So he was a, a perfect candidate coming in. He was handpicked by our, our late and previous owner, David Glass. And, and just the, the gestures that he made to employees and, and minor leaguers to, to cover them during that uncertain time during COVID. I mean, he's, he's been spot on. Well, it was a pleasure having him as part of the Indians ownership group for a, a period of time, a good period of time, the 2016 World Series in there, and uh, certainly best of, of wishes to him uh, as the Royals move forward. Ryan, hard to believe, but uh, yes, it's official. We're finally going to spring training at some point in time here, but before the end of February, 
But uh, great to have you. I'm, hopefully I'll, I'll get to see you at some point out in Arizona. Yeah, I forgot what you look like. So I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you and Jimmy. That's Ryan LeFever, longtime broadcaster now at the Kansas City Royals. Stay tuned. More to come after this timeout. If I learned one thing from this great game of baseball, it's that she'll humble you. You think you've got it figured out, you check the standings, and you're in last place again. I'm Eric Rubino, fantasy baseball GM, and I can put my team in position to win every single time, but I can't play the games, people. At least Progressive's Name Your Price tool has options based on my budget. It never lets me down, unlike my pitching staff. Amateurs! Get options based on your budget with Progressive, even if you're not a legend in your own mind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment as we join you for our hot stove shows. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. Great to have you with us. And with the, the cold, cold winter temperatures below normal now for the month of February, uh, it really is great to be able to look forward to some spring training activity. If all goes well, we should be hearing reports of pitchers and catchers from Goodyear starting this Wednesday, the full squad reporting a short time later, and game action beginning on February the 28th, the Tribe and the Reds from Goodyear, Arizona, and you'll be able to hear that game right here on the Indians Radio Network, the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network, beginning at uh, 3.05 Eastern Time. So hopefully you can join us for that. and. Again, we keep our fingers crossed and we continue to say hopefully because with COVID, some of the restrictions as we've seen in the NHL, NBA games beginning to be or have been canceled along the way. Um, hopefully, baseball has it buttoned up pretty good. They showed that during the regular season and postseason a year ago, and, and I know they have a lot of those same protocols in place for spring training in both Arizona and Florida. So a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. And you stay with us as uh, we'll have Tribe Talk each weekend every step of the way right here on the Indians Radio Network and in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcasts as well as Indians.com, all the archived editions there. Until next week, I want to thank Brian Matze and Anthony Alford back at our network studios. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 